0: All right, I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. We are live, streaming now on Rumble.com, YouTube, and Blaze TV. And I do realize that we are a few minutes late today, but when Al Gore, the great Al Gore, the magnificent Al Gore, when he developed the internet using a series of tubes that he personally put together, He didn't do it exactly perfectly, and we had a little audio thing, but I think we worked it out, and we got a great show for you. It is Friday, so it is roundtable extravaganza time. Joining me, our author of the brand new book, Is Atheism Dead?, Eric Metaxas, host of the aptly named podcast, The Liz Wheeler Show. Liz Wheeler, and author of another new book. We've got a lot of authors today. Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. Sean Spicer, you are all Ruben Report uh, multiple time guests. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for having us. All right. So, thank uh, you.
1: How gentlemanly of you, by the way. Not to blame the tech issues on me. You are a gentleman.
0: (laughs) I don't know exactly what happened there, but I think it all worked itself out. No need no need to blame anybody. All right, so there's a lot to get to this week. Uh, obviously, you know, this sort of odd slow motion revolution we're in continues. Uh, so we're going to hit a, on all of that. I want to start, though, I saw this incredible thing on uh, this compilation of CNN headlines. I saw this, I believe it was on originally, the Being a Libertarian Instagram page. Uh, Connor, can we pull this image up? This is just a spectacular compilation of just sort of the the nonsense that we have seen endlessly. I'm going to read these headlines to you quick. And this is in chronological order, all from CNN over, you know, basically the last, you know, 10 months or so. Single Pfizer vaccine shot provides strong protection for those who've had COVID-19. UK studies suggest people vaccinated against COVID-19 can go without masks indoors and outdoors, CDC says. CDC updates guidance recommends vaccinated people wear masks indoors in certain areas. Vaccine protection against COVID-19 wanes over time, especially for older people, CDC says. Johnson & Johnson vaccine recipients should get their second dose as soon as it's possible, uh, experts say. Three three doses of COVID-19 vaccine are likely needed for full protection, Fauci says. Immunocompromise may need a fourth COVID-19 shot, CDC says. Why vaccinated people dying from COVID-19 doesn't mean the vaccine's are ineffective. This is just a small sampling of the crazy, conflicting nonsense we have been spoon-fed by mainstream media. Uh, Sean, I will start with you on this one. As a man that worked for the previous administration, as a guy with the TV show, and someone that tries to communicate some level of truth to people, I'm starting to think we can't trust CNN. What do you think?
2: Well, first, I just gotta say, I'm glad that we're doing this on Rumble, because on YouTube, after everything that you just said, they... (laughs) They would have shut this down. You are not allowed to question Lord Fauci. You know better than that. Um, Look, the level of confusion and hypocrisy, double standards, changing scenarios, uh, is, continues to be a problem. And they wonder why,
0: uh,
2: when they make these mandates, that people are confused and and frankly, don't trust the government.
0: Eric, do you trust the government or mainstream media more?
3: Which government? (laughs) Let's Um,
0: let's start with the United States government. How about that?
3: Listen, you wanna talk about a teaching moment? We have been spoiled to death in America. We've had uh, really generally trustworthy institutions. You cannot have self-government, a republic, unless you have a people that trusts the institutions, generally speaking. That has unraveled uh, at the speed of light Uh, in the last few years, but it's very healthy because it's helping us as Americans understand that first of all, we do have to think for ourselves. Second of all, uh, we have to know that when corruption sets in, when institutions, whether it's journalists, whether it's the the medical universe, uh, whether it's the government, when they begin giving you confusing information, you understand They're simply trying to manipulate you. They're saying, let's throw truth out the window uh, and let's use fear and pseudo facts to manipulate people. That leads to Marxism. And we're in a moment in America, most of us never thought that we could get here, but we're seeing it with our own eyes. If they did it a little slower, they might get away with it. But I think they have woken up the sleeping giant that is we the people. So I find this actually an exciting time, not just a strange, horrifying time, but an exciting and hopeful time.
0: I like that answer because that's what I'm always trying to say to my audience. The worse it gets, it's like they're throwing everything at us right now and and people are waking up because of it. Liz, is that your sense that people are finally, I mean, you can sort of tell last couple days in Virginia, the polls have changed because of critical race theory and just yelling that Youngkins are racist and everything. Do you sense that the average person finally might be waking up?
1: Yeah and I think it's it's because of one thing and it's actually not because the left is being so incredibly radical they've been radical for quite some time it's just because they're being so open about it look there's there's a difference between faith and trust Trust is earned, and over the last year and a half, it's become very clear that the government has not earned our trust. We don't owe it to them like a god. We don't owe them to have faith in their actions or in their words or in their policies or in anything that they're doing. They have to earn that, and they've betrayed us time and time again. I mean, At the beginning of this pandemic, we were told lockdown for two weeks to stop the spread so that hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Now, what is it, 20 months later, we are at get your fourth shot, still wear a mask, and a new study in The Lancet says that you can still transmit COVID-19, and you should give this vaccine to your children, even though the FDA says that they don't know whether it's safe. They're not gonna know whether it's safe until kids take it and we see what kind of reaction they have. Literally. None of that, none of that should earn any of our trust whatsoever. And so it's it's prudent people. It's not just the left versus the right. It is the government versus the people right now because they have betrayed us before and they're restricting our rights doing it.
0: Yeah, we covered it on you- my show yesterday. I mean, this this idea that the 17 person FDA board, that one of the guys was caught on video, his name is Ruben, no relation. I can't find one other decent Rubin out there at the moment. Uh, but this guy between Jennifer Rubin and this guy, but he literally said what, what Liz just illustrated that we'll have to put it, we'll have to give it to the kids and then we'll figure out what happens. That's how bananas this is. But, e-
3: Eric, bring You know, bring, yep. Eric, I was going to say this is like the stamp act, forgive me. I just, I want to just say that this is like 1765, the stamp act, uh, the, the government of George Third. Takes one step too far. The American citizens, uh, colonists, are outraged, and it leads to what we like to call the American Revolution. What is happening right now is just like that. It's a number of of overreaches that are so astonishing that even your moderate American says, "Wait a second, we didn't sign up for this. I'm out." Sean, go ahead. I was just going to say, look, look. I, you know, we all have written books
2: and. When you write a book, the title is important to convey what you wanted to. And I named the book Radical Nation for a reason. I didn't name it like kind of radical or somewhat progressive. Because to Liz's point, this idea that we're going to just tell people what to do, do and kind of hope that it works, but mandate that they do it, cancel out people who don't agree with it, get rid of first responders. I mean, I just don't know anything else to call it other than radical. The idea that we're spending $2 trillion and nobody's read a bill and no one thinks that that's insane. I don't understand. You you look at Afghanistan, inflation, um, the, the how we're dealing with COVID, every single thing along this. It's not just one thing in isolation. All of these things are things at 10, 15 years ago, if you had given me one of them and said, you're not gonna believe what's gonna happen. Dave, I was in a movie That i filmed in 2019 called army of the dead it came out just a little while ago that was a a science fiction movie about making forcing people to take a vaccine and 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 the funny thing about it was in august 2019 when Zack schneider wrote the movie that's how preposterous it was the idea of forcing americans that they had to take a vaccine or quarantine them in, in a isolated area of Nevada, which is what the movie's all about. That's how crazy it is. We went from something that was supposed to be someone's sci-fi movie to our reality.
0: Yeah, and last point on this, I just saw right before we started uh, that California has decided that they're gonna keep kids in masks through all of 2022. I mean, that's how, bananas this is but but speaking about bananas Liz you helped break a story this week you had an incredible twitter thread that will will show as you're discussing what happened uh, but the US Navy has basically issued a blanket statement saying that they are not going to have or allow for any religious exemptions for the covid uh, vaccine can you explain what's going on here
1: Yeah, it's super crazy and it's obviously so disrespectful to our service members who've sworn an oath to defend our constitution and our nation, our safety, and to treat those with religious opposition to the COVID-19 with such animus is horrible. But I've obtained documents showing that at least at one Navy command, Of over 2,500 people, and it looks like it's also at other Navy commands. Um, There's a plan behind the scenes to issue blanket denials to service members' requests for religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, this is in violation of Navy policy, and remember, Navy policy. This isn't like a private sector company having terrible uh, having terrible rules that they can change at any point. Military policy is the equivalent, essentially, to uh, military law. So, there's a military policy that says when there's a religious exemption to anything, any religious accommodation. But especially as it relates to immunizations, that it has to be evaluated on a case by case basis. You can't just issue blanket denials. But the documents that I've uncovered show that um, they do plan. They actually have a template that they're using to issue, to plan to issue these denials. And the template isn't a template that includes, oh, here's, you know, the big picture, and you can choose either yes. Um, Accepted or no denial. No, this template automatically defaults to denial. There's also, this is where it gets a little military weeds. There's also a very specific chain of command um, that you use in the military when you when you request an exemption or a religious accommodation for a vaccine. And it appears, it appears. Uh, We certainly need to ask the question whether this specific chain of command is being violated by other people who have an agenda to deny these vaccines. Because we have evidence that there's pretty significant animosity or hostility towards people with religious views. Mm -hmm. Of course, the primary reason for requesting an exemption to this vaccine is an opposition to abortion and the fact that aborted fetal cell lines were used in the testing at least of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and the cells themselves are included in the J&J vaccine. And there's uh, evidence of hostility behind the scenes towards uh, pro-lifers in general, and this viewpoint in general. So it certainly raises enough questions that should be, it should spark a congressional inquiry because service members are still allowed their religious freedom, in fact, the Supreme Court precedent here is that religious accommodations in the military should be granted when it's still possible to accomplish the goal of the military. And if it's not possible to accommodate them, then it should only be violated in the least restrictive means manner. And the burden is on the government to show that, and they are not rising to that burden here.
0: Yeah, so this is truly extraordinary stuff. And I think it gets to Sean's point of like anything that we believe 10 years ago, you know, wouldn't be possible now is possible. Eric, I mean, this is sort of, in some ways, what your life's work has been about. You've written several books on religion. The newest book is Atheism Dead. I mean, are we sort of at the place where a, where a, uh, an atheist secular society on steroids has now decided to not only really come for religious people, but anyone who won't bow to the orthodoxy? That's more important than the that's, religious part, I think.
3: That's the thing, because of uh, the true Christianity at the heart of the founder's vision, they said we have religious liberty in america so anyone who wants to be an atheist a muslim any kind of christian anything you want we have to have religious liberty in america if you don't of course it leads to the establishment of some kind of a religion and what we're seeing now uh, is the establishment of a religion with which is basically a kind of practical atheism in other Mm -hmm. words we say that look um, we don't believe what we used to believe. We're not made in the image of God. Uh, we are we are effectively Marxists and we believe that the government has the ability to do whatever it likes uh, because power is power. We used to believe that person, whether made in the image of God or, or not, whether you believe that or don't, that we have an inherent sanctity as individuals and our government protected that. So when I wrote my book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and you see how Mm -hmm. quickly the Nazis were able to destroy a nation and take over a nation. I remember as I was writing it and in the years since, thinking, how is this gonna happen in America? The way the Jews were demonized and marginalized, how would that happen in America? I didn't know how it would happen, but now I see it. Uh, The vaccine idea, in other words, the idea that you can tell people, listen, Yes, this was made uh, because of aborted fetuses. Uh, But you know what? If it was made with the bodies of Jews we murdered in the concentration camps, who cares? We're telling you, you need to get it. Whether you have an objection to murdering Jewish children, we don't care. We're going to tell you what to do. The idea that that dark logic could have come to America. The only good news, Dave, is that there are enough Americans willing to stand and fight. When you look at the example of what happened in Germany, how the church was sort of like, not yet, not yet, not yet. And the moment they understood it was time to fight, it was too late. I believe there are still enough Americans who understand the basics of this, understand that all of these things are utter outrages against America, against the idea of America, and that we had better stand and fight. So these are all examples of it. It is happening very quickly. People are being demonized and marginalized by our quote unquote leadership. I never thought I'd see it, but here we are.
0: Yeah, well said. And I, I like that phrase, dark logic. I could see that being the title of uh, one of your upcoming books. Sean, uh, as you know, our president or the guy at least pretending to be president, Joe Biden is in Rome right now. He's with the Pope. He's uh A good Catholic, they always tell me he's a devout Catholic. Why would a devout Catholic president be attacking religious liberty like this? Doesn't make sense.
2: You know, it's funny that you bring that up. I have a chapter in my book that walks through Biden's evolution on religious liberty in life. It's funny, when he was a senator from Delaware, (laughs) He talked about the fact that he was personally pro-life. He didn't want to see his views put on other people, but he was adamantly opposed about the federal government funding abortion, supporting abortion. He left it up to other people's choices, etc. He was very vocal about his Catholic faith, having a role in that, uh, in that view. And now he's gone full 180. He doesn't support the Hyde Amendment, the Mexico City policy, all these things that prevented U.S. tax dollars from funding abortion has been thrown out the window, and he suddenly becomes... an abortion champion. It's amazing the shift that he has taken in order to win favor with the far left of the Democratic Party, which, frankly, let's be honest, he had to do it if he had any hope of winning a primary in the Democratic Party. That's where they are today. But it's fascinating. I think that with respect to the Pope's visit, though, I do. I, I made this point earlier this week. The Pope gave, I think, Nancy Pelosi a pass by not bringing this issue of life up. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't address it with Biden today, and I, I, I know that they have already met, but I don't know that we have a full readout yet. Um, it will be a huge, not just missed opportunity with Biden, but I think we lose, um, we lose authority as a church to go out and talk about why life is such an important issue if you're not gonna raise it with people like Biden and Pelosi. And I, I think it will not just be a missed opportunity, but I think it'll be hard to, to bring it back up again um, when you with, with people lower than that. If you don't bring it up with the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States, then then why? how can you tell any other regular citizen that it's an issue?
0: Yeah, and by the way, you, you briefly mentioned-
1: If I may jump in- Yeah, go here. ahead, Liz. If I may jump in here for just a second, Joe Biden says uh, he claims that after this this audience with the Pope, that the Pope told him that he can continue to receive the Eucharist, continue to receive communion. Now. Let me just say, I don't know if this story is true. Joe Biden is known to tell a whopper or two. But if this is true, I mean, as a Catholic, I'm absolutely disgusted. There is almost no pinnacle teaching as it relates to politics when it comes to Catholic Catholic doctrine that is clearer about the fact that abortion is a grave moral evil. And if, as a politician, you participate in policy that pushes abortion the way that Biden does, then you are also in a state of grave moral evil. That means you are in mortal sin. That means that you are rejecting Christ because the Catholic Church teaches that all human beings are made in the image of Christ. You cannot simultaneously reject Christ and receive Christ. And if this Pope, my goodness, doesn't understand that and doesn't take that up with the most powerful man in the world, or at least the man in the most powerful position in the world, then I, I mean, this is so discouraging as a practicing Catholic, I don't even know what to say.
3: This, this Pope is doing for the Catholic Church what Joe Biden is doing for America. They are both destroying the institutions of which they are titular pseudo-heads.
0: You know, to Sean's point on Mexico, which you mentioned really quickly, we fund abortions in Mexico. Why the American, it doesn't matter what your position on abortion is, uh, why are we funding abortions in other countries? May wanna think about that a little bit, but let's move on to the second story here because this was really, an extraordinary thing this week. So everyone watching my show gets the the fight against critical race theory. And of course, the big story was that Merrick Garland, our attorney general, in essence was sicking the Department of Justice on parents who were showing up to school board meetings to fight against it. Not because they were actually doing anything truly threatening, but he was in essence calling parents who show up and say, hey, I want to be involved in my kids education. He was calling them domestic terrorists. Well, he had to testify this week and it got a little spicy. Let's take a look.
4: You've cited as the basis for that directive, the National School Board Association's letter of September 29th. Was that directive being prepared before September 29th, before the School Board Association letter was issued?
0: I don't believe so.
4: Certainly, I didn't have any idea. So it was only prepared to a- Okay, I think that answers you, the question. I already
0: answered that So, so you, you keep
4: citing the School Board letter and news reports. That's news right. re- One that's of the right. news reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia.
0: No, that's Scott- not, that is not um, uh, what I was talking about. Well, talking it, you about-
4: keep citing news reports, and not- that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator,
0: anyone who's uh, child was raped as is uh, a, a most horrific crime I can imagine, and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to c- protest to their school board about this. But he was that cited
4: is, by the School Board Association that's fine, as a domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your— dir- No, th- this no, is, Senator, this is That's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's not— but, cr- Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You should resign in disgrace, Judge.
0: All right, so I think, uh, actually, we somehow lost Eric in the middle of that. We'll try to grab him back. But that, that moment by Tom Cotton that right there at the end, it's like, we have so many politicians who refuse to say anything true, and he just really dropped something true there. So you just know, to, Sean, go ahead, go ahead.
2: I, I, I felt like it was reminiscent of the when Mueller was testi- testifying how like, ill-prepared he was. I mean, I, I don't know if Garland's staff prepared him like looked at a newspaper, did a Google search about key issues because he looked flat-footed throughout the entire process. And I felt like that as a, someone who has staffed a lot of principals in the past, that it was a real, either he doesn't know what's going on or his staff let him down or both. But the idea that he, he seemed so ill-prepared for this hearing and understanding the source materials that he had to have known were coming his way, really was, to me, the big takeaway.
0: Yeah, so Liz, is this story just like the perfect example of almost everything? In essence, he got a one-page letter that has since pretty much been retracted saying that parents are domestic terrorists. He references that letter and then he says media reports are saying that parents are domestic terrorists. So we're going to do something here at the, the Department of Justice. And of course, when I saw the story breaking and I saw CNN picking it up and MSNBC picking it up whatever else, I was like, something doesn't add up here. Like they've got one piece of paper. Next thing you know, the media is reporting on it. The fact that he even uses the media as if that is evidence of anything, doesn't it just tell you how just what a perfect storm of nonsense this is.
1: And by, by the way, too, the woman who crafted that letter from the School Board Association, the National School Board Association, and Senate it to uh, Merrick Garland, she now has a position in the Biden administration yep. on, um, on the Education Governing Board in the Biden administration. This is after she wrote that letter. So the Biden administration is not- even pretending that this is an aberration or a mistake or an isolated incident. No, no, they're embracing this. This is why, Dave, this is why Yunkin is up by eight points, according to the latest Fox News poll mm-hmm. in Virginia, because it's no longer the left versus the right. This is the left versus parents everywhere. You don't have to be a Republican or a conservative or anything close to understand that your daughter is at risk if men are allowed in the bathroom with her, that your child is at risk if they're going to be indoctrinated with ideologies. That teaches them that they're racist if they have white skin and oppressed if they have black skin. This is no longer a partisan fight. This is parents versus the left. And the left, instead of doing what they normally do and pretending that they don't embrace this radical view, they are actually doubling down and it's causing parents to be like, well, then you don't represent me and we're gonna vote for your opponent as they should.
0: Right. So this is sort of Eric's point from earlier. Sean, do you think we kind of owe them a thanks in a way when they've gone so far where they will tell you that we're going to inject your kids with stuff? And by the way, we don't know what's going to happen until we do it and then we'll figure it out. Or we say we're going to call you all domestic terrorists for not wanting this neo-racism in school. It's like it's one thing to attack the adults, but now that they've shifted it to the kids, maybe we do owe them a thanks here because the great awakening might be upon us.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's absolutely right. You think about how many people are now engaged in the political process that weren't otherwise, that are attending school board hearings, that are running for the school board. But then the the worst part of this is that you have Barack Obama coming into Virginia talking about it being a made-up controversy, a right-wing thing. I mean, the bottom line is I literally have a chapter in my book, Radical Nation, documenting its origins, what it seeks to achieve. This is not made up. This is very real. And in school district after school district, parents are having these conversations. I talked to one Parent uh, about a month and a half ago who was telling me that they have to write essays as parents talking about how in the home they are addressing their white privilege with their kids, and it's like. That the parents, and if they don't do it, and then I talk about one other example where there's a woman uh, who's actually Asian, she came out against some of the things that were going on in the school, and the group of parents that were supporting this called her employer, called the HR department, and said, we just wanted to alert you to some of her racist behavior outside of the workplace. In case anything comes up inside the workplace, mm-hmm. you know that it's a pattern. But these are the tactics that they are employing to get their, their way. And to cancel and shout down everybody,
0: man, our work is cut out for us. But By the
1: way, I would love yeah. if I, if a teacher ever asked me to write a letter like that, I would be absolutely happy to send one back to the school tongue and exactly <laughs> what I think of white privilege.
0: Well, you, Liz, you sent out a tweet last night, basically saying they are never going to inject my kids with this stuff. Simple as
1: that. Absolutely not. No question. I mean, you honestly, I I don't mean to be rude here. I don't know a nicer, more diplomatic way to say it. But if as a parent, you give this vaccine to your five to 11 year old, when they admit the FDA admits that they don't know what kind of risks or long term effects or short term effects, whether it's even safe at the same time that we know that your child of that age is more likely to die if they contract the flu than if they contract COVID-19, then you're a bad parent
0: yeah, it really is as simple as that. All right. let's get to the third story. we're We're trying to get Eric back here, but I hold you, I think you guys can hold hold your own. Uh, if, in case we don't. Uh, so Biden's got this Build Back Better thing. We all know they tried to pass this thing, $3.5 trillion equals zero. Math doesn't matter anymore. It has almost nothing to do with infrastructure, but now everything's infrastructure. Uh, we've got some info here from the Daily Wire. Uh, President Joe Biden debuted an updated version of his Build Back Better spending plan, this time scaled back from the $3.5 trillion human infrastructure plan proposed months ago in hopes that a fractured Democratic Party can unite behind both this and the bipartisan physical infrastructure bill. Ugh, oh, the language. The, they reintrodu- the reintroduced <laughs> bill comes on the heels of a string of White House failures in selling a more ambitious Build Back Better spending bill, which would have spent double the new $1.7 trillion compromise package. Progressives were not willing to back a bipartisan infrastructure bill without a guarantee that ex- the expansive spending measure would pass the Senate, and key senators were not willing to back the expansive spending bill without major cuts. I mean, of course, the hilarity here really is that if $3.5 trillion actually equals zero, then what does $1.75 trillion equal, and what is it that we can't get done at that point? Sean, you have a little insight in how the messaging comes out of an administration. How'd they do here?
2: I think build back better is now scaled back worse. I mean that that should just if it's you still have close to 2 trillion dollars that comes on the heels of three trillion that we spent earlier this year. I mean, I just read this morning that they can't account and this is from ProPublica, a left-leaning organization. They don't they can't account for the money they sent to schools. We know that the money set aside for rental and mortgage assistance, 40 billion of 49 billion, hasn't been used or discovered. This is they are literally creating a price tag and then working backwards, figuring out how much you spend. The idea that two trillion dollars, trillion, trillion, trillion is scaling things back. I don't, this is, what world are we living in where this is happening? But Dave, here is my strategy for every Republican. I said it on the show last night to Congresswoman Kat Kamek, and I'll say it out here now. Every Republican needs to just say the following. We are in the minority. We have no say in this. You will pass whatever bill you want. So here's what I would ask of you, Speaker Pelosi. Let your own members read it. Give them enough time because that's my challenge. Name one member of Congress that can actually say at the time that they vote for Zero. it that they actually have read it. There is no physical way that they will have done that.
0: Liz, is that it? That this is just all just like a nonsensical shell game? Not that whether it's 3.5 trillion or 1.75, that's almost irrelevant. Nobody's read it, that's almost irrelevant. They are just doing anything under the guise of we're trying to help you because we've wrecked everything. Well, they don't tell you that we've wrecked everything, but that's really what's going on here. They're wrecking everything. So in essence, they can just get more of our money. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I never thought I'd say this before and I'll probably never say this again, but I really appreciate Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and <laughs> Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and all of these progressives derailing this because the, the longer we can prevent this from being imposed on the American people, the better for us all. I mean, they're, they're using they're using this strategy that Dave, you and I and several other conservative commentators identified a long time ago where they take the idea of an emergency and they use this idea of emergency to instill fear in people. And then when people are crippled with fear and hysteria, they say, we'll be your saviors, we'll rescue you if only you let us have control. And a lot of people yeah. in their fear, in this facing what they think is an emergency, they hand over their rights and their freedoms and their and even some privileges and control and power. And the government under Joe Biden and his radical administration, Sean is exactly right to name his book Radical Nation, under this radical administration, they are not going to stop trying to take our rights and our liberties and power and freedom until we say enough and stop letting them do it. And this, this bill is just another example. I mean, it's rife with their agenda. Climate change and abortion and taxes on the rich and crippling the economy and all kinds of stuff that hurt everyday Americans that will cause the price of goods to go up and our wages to go down, cause jobs to be scarcer, cause all kinds of ramifications that the liberal elite in Washington, D.C. won't feel, but you and I will.
2: Look, I wanna say one quick thing that everyone needs to understand is crucial, and this is the point that I make in the book. Whether it's the spending, making D.C. a state, passing uh, or packing the court, letting uh, folks flow over illegally our southern border, Federalizing elections, every single thing is in pursuit of permanent political power. It all ties together. It's not about a policy. It's about how much money can we get out of the government to people to get them addicted. It's about voting rights. It's not it's it's about creating people who will keep them in power. It's about creating a state that will give them two democratic senators. Everything that the left is doing right now is in pursuit of permanent political power, and that is crucial to understanding everything that they do in their motives.
0: Yeah, well said, Sean. On that right. note, it, on I'm, that I'm, note, guys. Wait, well, uh, we do have to wrap, unfortunately, but, Sean, you are in LA right now at, at a hotel. I will not reveal your location so that your fans don't mob the hotel, but you normally, you live in Florida, is that correct?
2: You no, know, I live in Virginia.
0: You live in Virginia, I thought you were in Florida. I was gonna have a really nice Florida ending to this thing because I'm gonna see Liz over the next couple days <laughs> at the National Conservatism Conference. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'll be in Florida, right, in Florida for a week. I thought maybe we could have figured out some sort of
2: Florida. I'll be there. I'm going down, I'll be down in a week. Down to, So I, I might, I may. who knows, I'll be down there from the 4th of November to uh, the 9th, I think.
0: Oh, all right. Well, I'll still be there for at least part of that. Uh, guys, I'm gonna finish up without you, but I appreciate you picking up the heavy lift. We lost Eric. I don't know what happened. Maybe they. Maybe they got him. You know, they got it.
2: Book. That's what I was told. The I agents. A he said, I'm going to buy your
0: book. <laughs> the he agents got it.
1: YouTube at the beginning, so you never know.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Thank God we're on Rumble. <laughs> All right, guys, have a great weekend. I'm going to finish up without you. And Liz, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. You bet. All right, everybody. All right, a little uh, a little technical snafu today. Uh, we had a little something up front and then we lost Eric somehow. The pipes, what can I tell you? The pipes, they're weird on this internet, which is why we are going to build a parallel internet and that's why this week was, was so huge, uh, not only for me personally, but I really, really think this week uh, is going to be remembered for a long, long time because I think the Rumble acquisition of locals is just such a perfect... Uh, melding of companies that are trying to fight the big tech nonsense. Um, Growth on both sites was spectacular this week. I'm really proud of what we've done. Uh, I want to give a shout out, by the way, to my co-founder of Locals, Asaf, who not only sold his first company this week, but became an American citizen this morning, this very morning. So Asaf, I'm going to see you tomorrow and uh, dinner is on me. Welcome to America, my friend. Uh, Like, what a great American story that is. Like, you sell a company and become uh, a citizen the same week. Like, the American dream is still alive, and and some of us just need to wake up to find it, right? Uh, On that note, I am heading to Florida tomorrow. If you guys are in the Florida area or if you can get there, I am speaking uh, at the National Conservatism Conference. Marco Rubio, Josh Hawley, Peter Thiel... Uh, Liz Wheeler, Chris Rufo, Michael Knowles. Give me a couple other names. Who else do we got there? Everybody. Uh, Glenn Lowry, it's, uh, Ted Cruz. Like It's just sort of everybody that I think is sort of interesting politically right now and the people that are trying to figure out once we get through this progressive madness, what will America look like? And guess what? It's gonna look pretty broad politically and I think that can all fit under this sort of new conservatism umbrella, I really do. I'll probably be a little more on the libertarian side of it. There'll be a little more of a religious side of it. Like, it it can work, and we're gonna really, that's what the whole purpose of the conference is. It's a four-day conference to really churn through how do we take all of the things that we love about America, but then accept that, we can't necessarily have everything we want and there's going to be all sorts of people living here and we don't want to jail them even if they want to jail us. That's what the whole conference is going to be. Doug, Douglas Murray will be there. I'm giving a couple talks. I'm opening the conference tomorrow. Uh, no, not tomorrow. I'm opening the conference on uh, Sunday and then I have a solo talk. I'm doing something with Douglas and Jerome Harzoni and uh, Sora Bamari. So it's just going to be a great conference. If you can get to Orlando Uh, please do join us. We'll be taping some shows there. Locals is sponsoring the event. And then I'm spending a couple extra days in Florida. I have my reasons, okay? I've said enough. Have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join Rubenreport.locals.com.